AM 1080, 95.1 FM, KYMN Northfield. Joining us now at our studios, we have Northfield Mayor Rhonda Peldell and City Administrator Bet Mardig. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, the air quality is supposed to be better, I heard. <laughs> the air quality is always good. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in Northfield. Special request, right, of Jeff Johnson. Yeah, there you have it. You know, we have had that. I, you know, people everywhere you go, it seems like people are sneezing and all kinds of things. Yeah. Hopefully, it gets a little better. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's, it's helped me out yeah. at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, last night, uh, you had a council meeting. Uh, just a couple of few items on the uh, regular agenda. So let's uh, kind of get into that. Um, first of all, uh, let's talk about the petition. We have talked mm-hmm. about this uh, quite a few times, the uh, reverse referendum petition that was circled around uh, Northfield, uh, circulated around Northfield. Uh, 1,100 uh, people had assigned that, uh, and it was all con- uh, concerning the uh, the reclamation and overlay projects uh, for late, set later on this summer, and in particular just a, a couple of uh, blocks in uh, uh, southern uh, Northfield. Uh, petition came around. It, according to some, I mean, it was a, the, the it was deemed. Let's first of all start off with this: insufficiency of the petition uh, was declared last mm-hmm. night. Well, let's start off right there. Um, mm-hmm. That was the resolution, and it was approved by a, a vote of uh, I don't know if only I, I don't know what the vote was, but it was uh, mm-hmm. approved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were six members of the city council uh, in attendance last night. We knew uh, leading from our last work session, special work session that the council had, that Councilor Sokup was not going to be in attendance. Uh, so the vote was 5-1, I believe, on the petition. It was um, the official action of the city council basically uh, ratifying or agreeing with the, all of the information that had been given to the petitioners already and just making it more official as the elected body saying, yep, we agree, the petition is insufficient for all of these reasons that you that have been outlined previously uh, to people that, uh, that brought the petition forward. So it was really much more of that public action, and uh, I think it's important that we do that. Um, it's a thousand, over a thousand people signed the petition. I think uh, the elected officials of the city, it's an important um, statement for them to give publicly uh, for that while our staff doing the due diligence behind the scenes. One, one thing I would say too, Jeff, is uh, the mayor summarized that well, that again, this is only the, the legal part of the statutory requirement of the petition. And again, our position is it doesn't relate to the charter. The charter has similar types of provisions within it as well, but six of those nine provisions weren't met and it was pretty clear you read it and they were clearly absent and the clerk's position is a very you know neutral political position they run elections we can't stray from the law you know there was some requests like well if it's close enough isn't it close enough and the answer is no it's very explicit under this it's related to the financing of the project that's laid out however the council could have on the next agenda item related to the award of bid could have chosen to 
initiate it. So I've got to separate those two issues. Now, there was a lot of good reasons why the council chose not to go that direction um, related to just voluntarily pursuing it. But I think we need to separate the legal requirement of meeting the petition that would mandate it versus a voluntary decision to initiate mm -hmm. a petition that would fall in the council's discretion. And keep in mind, the one lone no vote later in the, uh, the, the meeting <laughs> actually made a motion to approve the project uh, with some changes, which also would not be calling for an election. So even the sole person that voted against it um, didn't call for an election on that. Now they did initially call for a motion for an election that didn't you know, have a second uh, provided with that. But um, ultimately, I think that's a really important distinction because we don't want to vary from state law related to election guidance mm -hmm. and in petitions for those purposes. Let's uh, just, to get things clearer, at least in my mind, uh, the charter and the uh, state laws um, varied evidently in this particular case. Uh, how do you know which one to go by? I mean, do we really, Rich and I were talking about this, do we really need a charter? It seems like it just causes confusion and nothing good comes of it. Uh, I, My personal opinion, but... Uh, Anyway, where, where does where does one start? Why do you choose one over the other? Where, where's the from the legal standpoint? Could you explain that to me a little bit more? It probably sounds like a radio show on its own, Jeff. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think it's it is explicit. I think, and at least in our minds, related to what um, the charter when the charter is to be used. It's for ordinances. That's related to governing functions. It's not related to financing. It's specifically outlawed under the law. Being able to like undo property taxes that the council decides on why because that can cause great mass confusion and you know inefficient running of government and so that's not intended for the petition to be able to allow those types of things to be conducted it's more legislative for changing laws and rules of the local we i would say it's a conversation for another day but um, we're one of many charter cities it gives a lot greater flexibility on kind of how you do things and a statutory city is very much kind of black and white um, forms and there's a couple different statutory forms of government that you can follow through on but um, it's much more rigid on kind of who does what um, roles of the council roles of staff um, that is an option but I, I think that's a pretty long conversation <laughs> maybe you have, like maybe you have charter commission members or <laughs> the council's <laughs> experts on this too it's a charter and the council have you know authority under making charter amendments but um, we could certainly come and cover that another day. Yeah, we have a we have a new program, not really new, started last year called uh, Public Policy This Week, where we nice. it's just all different types of public policy. I think that's a good topic. Maybe sometime down the line, maybe sometime this summer, we can uh, address that. We'll see. Good idea. Uh, all right. Uh, so where are we at right now? There were some uh, there were some conversations. You mentioned one counselor uh, voted against this and and uh, made the motion. That was Brad Ness uh, to uh, maybe alter some of the street plans uh, in that area uh, before the uh, bids are accepted. Uh, that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Tell us why. So whenever we function underneath Robert's rules of order, so before we have, before the council has discussion, uh, there needs to be a motion on the table and a second in order to just even have discussion. So last night there was a motion as Mr. Martig uh, conveyed, there was no second. So there was no discussion on whether or not to proceed in with that motion that authorized action two in our uh, city council packet legislative memo that outlined to take 
take out that section of the roadway along the townhomes area um, that included that Heritage Lincoln. Uh, all of our petitioners or the, the individuals that authored the petition lived along that section there and was the primary reason, I think, as they were going out and talking with people. It was a picture of the design uh, that was being shown to folks on why they should be signing the petition. And so that could have been an option, but the council clearly said that during the work session, the special work, se work session that we had, and again last night, that the majority clearly feels very strongly that we should continue to proceed with the project as presented. I think the the other thing that the last meeting, a discussion of it that I think was problematic, you, that that was a concentrated area where we had a very you know some of the leadership of the petition really concentrated in that section of townhomes. I think one of the difficulties with it is that we are evaluating alternatives. Is the design is so integrated that section of design kind of connects two routes together, yeah. and I think one of the challenges is even as you go north on Adams in that section, you'd have basically infrastructure of biking and sidewalk networks ending the design as it is already, and then you'd come to an area where there's nothing there, and then it'd be starting again. So again, some of the concerns we've heard from the public was around connectivity and having things that are logical or similar throughout the city, which is actually what we're trying to fix now based on bringing in a consultant to come up with a comprehensive plan. So by taking that section out, I think that was one fundamental policy challenge was the streets in bad condition there, the surface, but also you'd have basically a broken network that we'd be dropping people into for biking and walking that, that there's no infrastructure there. So I think that was probably one of the challenges of, of that particular piece being removed, but it was discussed at length at the last work session. Let's uh, talk about the bid that was accepted. Uh, tell us about that. Who is it? How much is it? And uh, when were they going to do the work? I've got to find my exact uh, notes here on the final award. Um, let's see here, Mayor, do you have that handy? Yeah, I'm trying to it says um, we received three bids. For the project, if I'm looking at the right, inf I believe I'm looking at the right yep, information. Yep, that's right. It says uh, the bids range from 4.8 million to 5.3 million. Uh, the lowest responsible bidder was IMS, I believe, if that's how you say that, IMS Contracting LLC. So we awarded the bid uh, last night with no recommended change orders from the city council. Okay, when will they start? Very soon. Um, contracts are going to be getting signed and mobilization will be coming up in the weeks ahead because they'll be constructing here in the spring. We're again later in the process, mm -hmm. um, but the project's supposed to be wrapped up this fall before school starts in, in the sections that we've got planned. Uh, once again, Mayor Pownell and City Administrator Martig, we're talking about uh, the street uh, reclamation and overlay project for 2023. Uh, is that the last of them? Is this all of them? What else do we have as far as street projects out there? And where are we at? Give us kind of an update. Was this the only thing that we're doing this year? It is the only that I'm aware of that's been officially on the City Council agenda other than filling potholes, right? Uh, our normal repair, uh, sidewalk repair, filling of the potholes or things like that, smaller projects. But this is that main street project for 2023. The 2024 feasibility study was already ordered uh, by the City Council, so we've already started that process. And... As we've identified before in our conversations on the 2023 street project, these things are like a two-year process from start to finish. They were long, and uh, there's multiple opportunities where we 
have op- for the council to give direction where we're seeking feedback, input on uh, plans and things as they're moving forward. Uh, so just, a, yeah, one project, 2023, but we've already started 2024. All right. Let's talk about the other item on the agenda. Any other final thoughts on that uh, that project? I think as you roll into the next agenda item, you know, enhancing safety, improving accessibility, promoting active and sustainable transportation, and reducing environmental impacts, it's really been our goals as the council has been developed over the last 15 years. So that includes our complete streets, our safe routes to school. So we talked about safe routes to school last night in the Lincoln uh, Parkway design uh, corridor that we've been looking at, uh, evaluating traffic flow in that area. And I think, you know, part of that is is making sure that there's multiple ways to, uh, for all users to get to and through the city. And that includes our mm-hmm. our school areas. And so that was really a uh, one that the council during a, uh, following the new Greenvale school construction, um, that staff had identified some concerns of, of the design and, and with the COVID kind of being heavy in place, not knowing exactly how the conditions went. We were tabling some of those reviews to see how the traffic actually functioned. And then also the Craywood housing development that's in construction raised concerns around that corridor. And the council then proactively initiated a corridor study to look comprehensively through there to say, how is it functioning? How can it function better for all user types? And so that uh, we had our initial like kind of existing conditions discussion last night and a little bit of discussion around a pilot project that's going to lead to a bunch more studies uh, later in the fall. Um, we're talking once again about uh, the uh, Lincoln Parkway pedestrian and walking study. Is that uh, is that study done now? I guess I'm. Is that is that complete? Are you starting it? What's um... So we're in the very, very early phases of that. So like okay. last night, basically, we had video clips of what traffic flows, some of the, some of the, it's really during peak times of, of drop-off and pickup, uh, primarily pickup that I think is creates the biggest challenges, mm-hmm. but it's an important time, too, where you have a lot of things going on and children and parents coming and going. And so we had a lot of information around what's the existing conditions some identified potential areas to focus on related to better connections, safety crossings that are going to be coming for more detail and design. And then I think the schedule is um, we have an open house at the end of June. I don't have the date in front of me, but we'll be aver- we're looking at a venue change. So we'll be having more information come out on that. Some concept plans will be shared that night. And then we'll also be having um, then taking that information coming back in the fall with some more feedback from the public and then at the end of the year hopefully having the council identify some good solutions to then consider incorporating in maybe short-term incre- incremental improvements to be put into our capital planning um, or more longer-term strategies mm-hmm. to improve that but I think they're clearly you know one of one of the things I think the study uh, identified that shouldn't be surprising I think for anybody is there's basically zero bike facilities at all leading into an elementary school so basically you have the shared sidewalk is the only alternative that you have, which the little kids are doing now, and that's certainly preferred to being on the road. But really, especially around schools, if anywhere you're going to have bike and walking facilities, that's where you should have them, and it's basically absent. And you're not going to have many bikers where you don't have safe biking lanes. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why you don't see a, as much of that as well. So I think, but there's certainly, I think, room for improvement related to safe crossings and other issues. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, you know, with the number of elementary schools, middle school, the high school, St. Dominic's, Arcadia, 
within the community as we implement these safe routes to school plans. We should be ensuring that people of all ages can get to these schools in a safe manner and uh, designing roadways within the right-of-way that accommodate all users, whether you're traveling in a truck or in a hybrid, a Toyota uh, hybrid, or you're traveling by bike, or you want to walk your kids to school, you ought to be able to get to our schools safely. And you ought to be able to design those roadways in a way that ensures that that happens. We're just at a different place, I think, as I've even been on the council. Uh, these policies and the um, to create these safe routes to school plans have been around for a really long time, but I think the the desire even throughout the state to ensure that we're designing roadways for all users, I think has really continued to ramp up. And it just makes sense, not only for our schools and our kids that want to be able to get back and forth, but at other times outside of the regular school system, when you design the roadways well, they will serve the whole community throughout uh, the day so that people can get around safely in their neighborhoods. Another question before you go any further is <clears throat> you had mentioned uh, the Craywood development. Uh, is it can, can we really get a good estimate of the traffic that goes through there when we know that there's probably going to be at least a hundred and couple hundred people uh, additionally right in there? How how does that figured in there and is is that component? I guess uh, is that component going to be developed later on in the study? Council asked that question. I think that's a great question, and I think it's a little bit of projections, but yet a little bit of an unknown because you never really know. But certainly I think one thing we don't see right now during non-peak time of schools is we don't see a lot of parking on the street at all. There's very few larger events of the school that maybe happen, you know, like when the when the teachers are coming in and they invite in all the parents in the fall that's one day where it gets pretty full, but it's a pretty rare case where we have a lot of parking out on the street related to school activities. However, we've seen it in other areas that even if you have adequate parking for apartments, it allows parking on street now along that corridor. We don't see many cars at all, but the, we suspect that you probably will see more cars just because that sometimes happens as other locations. So I think we'll... We'll be looking at that. We'll be predicting potentially what might be happening, but I think it might also be proactively thinking about what maybe are some solutions around the access around that during those peak times or even even permanent ones. So I think it's going to be a little bit of um, planning for that as part of it, but then also reevaluating as things open again to see mm -hmm. if that changes any of the assumptions mm -hmm. that, that were looked at. All right. Anything else you'd like to address while we have you in here? I just want to say one thing that I was thinking back on the yeah. mayor's comments, too, is um, I think as you go south on Greenville in Lincoln, I think it's a great example because I, I drive it every day. The mayor probably does as well. We added some sidewalks along the apartment complexes there as part of the Safe Routes to School, and it was a gap that we had identified for a long time, and the council changed some of our funding that allowed us to actually get that done on the project. And it did have some controversy of it. We had people saying it wouldn't get used. It gets used heavily. Um, I think it's both for people going to the school to the Catholic school, um, mm -hmm. as well as just people out casually walking the neighborhood. There's a lot of pedestrian activity on there, and I guess it goes to show that, again, you put the infrastructure in, and people will use it. And we did have people walking on the streets previously on that pretty narrow street. 
but we see a lot more now that it's able uh, now that we put the infrastructure in so i think that's again we've seen it you, you put the infrastructure in and pe people will use it and there's a reason probably people aren't using infrastructure if it's not safe yeah and i would just um the some of the pictures that were shown last uh, night to the city council with no um bike infrastructure you might have elementary students that are on the sidewalk they're just riding on there along with the the kids and people of all ages using that same space five foot wide sidewalk but then you put older people the six foot people that maybe want to get to school over at the middle school or the high school and they want to bike and i've seen some kids from my area of the city that are just north of north avenue and they're biking to school, and then you put them, you try to envision them in those pictures that were shown, shown to the council last night. You put those youth in the lane of traffic behind buses and where drivers are confused on where they're supposed to go, and it just creates a really unsafe way for people of all ages to be able to get back and forth to where they want to go, and that doesn't even take into account people that maybe want to bike to their place where they work. Bicyclists on, on a roadway where motorists are confused on where they're supposed to go is not necessarily safe space where you want your kids to be. And uh, so designing these roadways in this moment where we know we've got confusion um, and finding the solutions to it is really, really important uh, for all people in the community. And when we do it well, it'll be safe for everyone. Did you have something to add to that, Ben? No, not to add to that, but I, I think we probably covered that for the day. One, okay. You did ask, though, any other things. I did want to plant a seed. I think there's a lot of interest going on about like what's happening at the former Archer House site. Is the city making any progress on their fifth and water redevelopment projects? And I would say I think July is going to be a lot of new information that's going to be coming out to the public. So stay tuned. Nothing new. But um, we have some, I think, plans getting developed, and we're going to be re-engaging the council our relevant board and commissions in the public on kind of review, reviewing some of those plans and others uh, following through with our riverfront action plans and some of our redevelopment efforts of the city. So probably going to be a bunch of new information coming out in July to look forward to. Good. I've uh, emailed Bob and Bruce over the last <laughs> couple of days and say, we can get you back on. Evidently, Bruce is on vacation. Uh, or Bob is. I think one Bruce, of them is on Bruce vacation. Is, yep. yeah, so, so it's just you know, it's B1, he said, no, not he, B squared. <laughs> <laughs> he echoed the same thoughts that you had, that there's a yes. lot of things that are just getting, yeah. the wheels are starting to turn again. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll have them on uh, sometime in the uh, not distant future. Thank you yeah. both for coming in today. Certainly appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your Wednesday, and we'll talk yeah, to you next you. week. Thanks, Chef. Right. Rhonda Pownell, Northfield Mayor and City Administrator, Ben Marting.